0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. We will explore God's Word to learn how we can live by God's grace and for His glory. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Here's your host, Noah Hooper. From Bethlehem, to Egypt, to Nazareth, to the Jordan, to the Sea of Galilee, to Capernaum, to the Garden of Gethsemane, we have the life of Jesus in the Gospel accounts. He was baptized, tempted, followed, believed, and rejected. He cleansed, healed, restored, and resurrected. He taught the multitudes and the disciples. No one has lived a greater life than Jesus. But each of those places and events succeeded one another to culminate in the pivotal point of redemptive, in human history, the crucifixion. Jesus did not come to simply give men a better way to live. Neither did he come to take care of physical infirmities without addressing the greatest sickness. Jesus did not come on a mission of morality or medicine, but redemption. He came, as 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, to reconcile sinners to himself. Jesus came, as Paul said, into the world to save sinners. And the only way to save sinners was through the cross. Matthew 27 verses 33 through 56. Mark 15 verses 22 through 41. Luke 23 verses 33 through 49. And John 19 verses 16 through 37. Record the crucifixion of Jesus from when his cross was placed in the ground on Golgotha to right before Joseph requested his body for burial. In less than 100 verses, this pivotal point of human and redemptive history is chronicled. Many chapters in the gospel records are devoted to the Passion Week, but only a few verses are given to record the crucifixion. And John Phillips makes a crucial observation on this. He said, The four evangelists hurry over the dreadful details, the piercing nails, the hammer blows, the searing, stabbing pain, the violent jerk as the cross was hauled aloft and dropped into its waiting hole, the heat and flies and tormenting thirst, and the cramping muscles and screaming tendons. Jesus endured it all. It's interesting that compared to how large the Gospels are and how large the Bible is, very few verses are given to tell us what happened on the cross. The crucifixion, the cross, dying on a cross is quite possibly the worst way a human being could possibly die. But God did not inspire these authors to give us great detail about what Jesus endured. They did not tell us about the pain and the agony that he endured. Rather, they just tell us what happened. Because, as Alistair Begg has pointed out before, much of what the New Testament is devoted to is to explain to us why these events happened. It is not for us to dwell on the sheer agony and the pain and the horror of the cross, though that is and was absolutely unimaginable. But these events, are not given so that we will simply look at them and say, Oh my, how awful and how horrible is this, but so that we will know what the purpose of these events were, what the reason for all this was. So as we look at the crucifixion a little bit, we must remember that we are not looking at this simply to say, Oh my, how awful that was, but we are looking at this to see why it. Happened. These passages reveal, though not in great detail, what happened on Calvary. Jesus is offered kind of a medicinal wine to ease the pain, but he refuses to drink. He was going to take it all. Jesus is nailed to the cross and mounted on the hill between two criminals, fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament that he would be numbered with the transgressors, the just dying with the unjust. The soldiers take his garment and cast lots to divide it up, fulfilling another Old Testament prophecy. Then there are people who mock, deride, and tear down Jesus with their words. And then the world turns dark. Jesus cries out, asking why the Father had forsaken him. He also tells John to take care of Mary, his mother. And then eventually, Jesus dies. A few days earlier, Jesus rode into town on a donkey with the people shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now Jesus has been betrayed, rejected, condemned, beaten, crucified, and eventually dies. This man that had taken Israel by storm now seems to be nothing more than a martyr who died for a cause. A sad ending to a miracle working, powerful speaking in love, displaying man. Or so it seems. If you approach the crucifixion narrative on simply a fact-seeking mission, you will finish knowing what happened, but not why it happened. Innocent people have died for crimes they did not commit throughout history. But Jesus is not just an innocent victim dying for crimes he did not commit. There is much more to the story than that. He may appear to be an innocent person dying for crimes he didn't commit. He may appear to be a martyr dying for a cause. He may appear to be another sad ending to a life well lived, but this is not Merely about an innocent person who was wrongly accused, condemned, and crucified. This is not the story of a martyr dying for what he believed. This is not a sad ending to a life well lived. Those stories are woven throughout human history, but that is not what this is about. What then is it all about? How is it right that this just man experienced this because he was an innocent man? He was not justly condemned, but unjustly condemned. So why did this happen? The death of Jesus is about substitution, not catastrophe. The death of Jesus is not about a just man simply dying, but about who the just man died for. In a sentence, the cross is about this. Jesus died for sinners. That is what the cross is about. It is about a substitution where the righteous takes the place of the unrighteous, where the godly takes the place of the ungodly, where the good man takes the place of all those who have broken God's law. This is not just about Jesus dying for us to look at and say, oh, how awful that is, how wrong that was, because it was wrong. It was unjust. But this is about Jesus willingly and decidedly going to the cross to take the place of sinners. Because the cross is the most vivid picture in all of human history that declares how God feels about sin. So when Jesus went to the cross, it was a just man going To the cross, but it was not just a just man dying, but it was about a just man dying for the unjust. Isaiah said it far better than I ever could in Isaiah fifty three verses four through six, that great chapter on the suffering servant. He said in verse four, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That last phrase is crucial to understanding the crucifixion. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Jesus died on the cross. It was the Father putting the iniquity of the world, the rebellion of sinners upon him, wherein he became the object of God's wrath for sin. As second Corinthians 5 and verse 21 tells us that he the Father hath made him the son to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This event is about the just man The righteous man, the sinless one, being condemned as a sinner, taking your place and my place so that we might be redeemed. That is what Jesus did on the cross. He was taking the place of sinners. The price of sin is always death. And someone had to pay the price so the iniquity of sinners was placed upon Jesus. He never broke God's law, but we have all broken God's law. He never sinned against God, but we were born in iniquity. Psalm 51 teaches us that. And the end result of sin is always death. You and I could not pay the price. We would have been sent to an eternity... In God's judgment, paying the price forever, but never satisfying it. But when Jesus, on that cross, paid the price once for all, He satisfied it forever. What you and I could never have done, Jesus did. He accomplished it on the cross so that at the end of it all, in John 19, 30, when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. When Jesus died on the cross, he was not just up there receiving what those Roman soldiers gave him. He was not up there simply receiving the condemnation that the Jews had given to him wrongly. Jesus was not just up there because Judas had betrayed him and Peter had rejected him. He was up there doing the work of redemption. He was up there paying the price so that at the end he said, it is finished. All of the agony, torture, and pain of the cross led to this moment when he said, it is finished. Jesus said, it is finished because there was a work that he had been doing on the cross. He was not just on the cross waiting until his heart stopped beating, lungs stopped pumping, and blood stopped flowing. No, he was on the cross until the work was finished, satisfying the demands of God's wrath for sin. In the words of John MacArthur, the entire work of redemption had been brought to completion. The single Greek word here translated, it is finished, has been found. The papyri receipts for taxes, meaning paid in full, end quote. When Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, he said, I have paid it all. The work is done. He satisfied the demands. He's not an Old Testament sacrificial lamb that would be brought back the next year. This is once for all. This is for good. He's not going to the cross again. He's not going to die again. He has completely and entirely finished the work. And when the work was finished, he gave up the ghost. Jesus was not killed by the Roman soldiers. Jesus laid down his life. He said in John, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down. He willingly went to the cross because there was a work for him to do to pay the debt for sinners so that we might be redeemed. The crucifixion is the account of the willing, planned, and substitutionary death of Jesus for sinners. He bore the wrath that we deserve so that we would never face one ounce of that wrath. And by the way, I must interject here that Jesus did not go. To the cross as a renegade from the Father and the Spirit. No, this was a Trinitarian work of salvation, because the Father, being just, must require that sin be paid for. But the Bible teaches us, John three sixteen, the verse we all know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus did not go to the cross to earn or merit the Father's love. Jesus went to the cross because the Father loved us. This was the display of his love. Sin had to be paid for, paid for. But God loved you and I as sinners so much that he spared not his own son, but he freely gave him up for us all so that we might be saved. Oh, this is why we glory in the cross. We have no boast in ourselves. It is all of Jesus. He did everything necessary to pay for our sins and give us eternal life. And when he said, it is finished, it was finished. In the words of Colossians 2 and verses 13 through 14, and you being dead in your sins in the earned circumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All of it is gone blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Verse 15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He took the handwriting of ordinances that condemned you and I as guilty. It was contrary to us and said, We are guilty and we were justly condemned for sin. And he took it out of the way. He nailed it to the cross as a declaration that I paid it all, friend. Jesus paid it all. The cross is not just a story of a man enduring great pain and agony, though it is the greatest story of someone enduring pain and agony. It is the account of God reconciling sinners unto himself through His Son. On the cross, we see just how awful sin is because Jesus endured all of that because that is what sin cost. But we also see how great God's love is for sinners in that He spared not the Son, but He willingly gave Him up so that you and I might be saved. The cross declares to us, Jesus took our place. And for you and I who are in him, oh, it is finished. We have nothing to do. We are saved completely and entirely by grace through faith alone. But I call to those of you who may hear this podcast and do not know him to trust in Jesus because he He paid in full what you could never pay at all. On the cross, Jesus took care of it all because you and I could never pay it at all. But God in Christ reconciled the world to Himself through the cross so that you and I might have life in Him. So we must glory in the cross. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you will consider subscribing and leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to it on. So I hope you will join me next week on the next edition of the Taught by Grace podcast.